that's some shit that you don't do. I'ma say rap on my nigga. That's some shit that I'm gonna do. Fuck all the commas. Let's fuck all some commas, nigga. Let's fuck all some commas. Do this shit wrong. Welcome to a very special edition of the podcast I'm sure you all haven't been waiting for. Tonight, I'm joined by Mitchell Mead. Uh, some would say this is the least listened to podcast, and you might not even listen past this, Mark, but you've tuned in. It's another click for me. Gets us on our way to going to the top of the Spotify charts. So that's all that I wanted to do this for, and I'll, I'll keep you happy. So I hope you're enjoying this, game when you're watching this in your office, and, and Mac, and, and the rest of my loyal fans, Dimas and Comma. But tonight, I welcome in Mitchell Mead. How are you doing this evening, Mitch? Yeah, good, good, Jackson. Uh, the league podcast to the moon is certainly going to take us there. So, um, yeah, happy to be here. No, it's um, great to have you here. I'm uh, sorry about last night. I, I did actually stood you up. I did stand you up, unfortunately. I saw your message and I was half asleep. I was like, nah, fuck this. I'll do this tomorrow. I'm too tired at work in the morning. So I'll let uh, me stew on it. I fucking sat there for 45 minutes just looking at my phone, waiting for you to go, yep, ready, yep, ready. Nah, thanks. When pot. Yeah, valuable study time. Fucking just went out the window. I could have been doing mocks. Could have been listening to fucking Ian Harditz. But nah. Well, that sort of segues us into the question I wanted to ask you, mate. How has your preparation for this season been, other than the 45 minutes that you so valuably lost last night? Um, oh, it's been extensive, um, like just with COVID, like work and footy, um, like I needed something else to do. And I was like, oh, the the leg is like upon us and it comes up quickly. So I was like, fuck it, I'll start doing a couple of pods, listen to a couple of pods and, um, and then just do some mock drafts here and there. And um, yeah, so I've been studying for quite a while trying to, yeah, that fantasy championship that slipped through my fingers last year. Thank you, Michael Thomas and Joe Mixon for that. Appreciate it. Do you it. think that you can rewrite the wrongs of last season? You went on a hot streak and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, won the first 10 or 11 games in a row and then it all sort of fell apart. But do you think that that was because of your lack of ability as a manager to handle the pressure or was it because Joe Mixon and Michael Thomas uh, got AIDS and fell off the cliff? Um. I think I just made the mistake of trading for too many injured players. Um, like, folks were offering me all year for injured players, and I just picked the wrong ones. Like, Nick Chubb got offered, didn't take. Joe Mixon, I wanted him. And um, Zach Taylor fucked me in the ass and didn't put him um, down earlier. So, um, oh, it's a bit of luck here and there. But probably um, I'm an experienced veteran now in the league, coming up uh, was it seven years now? So six, um, six, six years. Apologies, who will find me there? But um, yeah, hopefully I can uh, continue my hot streak and um, get the fantasy championship this year that I fully deserve. It seems like you spent a fair bit of time in the chamber of self-reflection over this off-season, me uh, looking back on where it all went wrong. And as you touched on those things that went wrong there, how are you going to change that this season? Are you going to take a different strategy or approach to it? Or do you think that you're just going to back in your ability throughout the season to make trades and take the opportunities that are presented before you? Yeah, I'm just going to back myself in. Um, after the fantasy championship, like last year, I thought I was going to win it all. Um, Two's premiership, won that. Got best on ground, won that. But I really wanted that 
that elusive fantasy championship and it just slipped right through my fucking fingers. And throughout the off season, it just hit me hard. I started drinking too many booze, just going off the rails and people thought I was a different person. But I just pulled my fucking head in, put my head in the books and start studying. And um, I'm coming for the goalies. I let them get that um, podium finish last year and that's not going to fucking happen again. So I'm going to back myself in and I'm in for a big 2021. And was it the failure of throwing away your season, much like the Bruiners did the year before when they were beaten by Emmanuel Sanders and myself in the preliminary final and didn't go on to win the championship that caused you to go off the rails at the end of the season last year? Or was it the celebrations of achieving 37 tackles in a grand final? Um, the Being second to the footy 37 times was... Um, was not too bad. Um, you can get you might look good. Yeah. Um, but um, no, nah, it was it was the uh, the fantasy championship that I really wanted. Um, that would look really good on a resume. But um, yeah, it just slipped through, and that's that's what caused me to just go off the rails and um, be a different, like a totally different person throughout the off season. So. Well, you've got your camera on right now, man. I'm looking at you. You've got your Harry Potter glasses on. And you've got a framed photo of Jake Com in the back left corner. Was your idolisation for wanting to be like Comma, the Rezzy's best and fairest at the age of 17, one of the greatest prospects after Jake Johansson in South Australian football history that led you down your path of self-destruction last year? Yeah, look, I got the comparisons to um, Jake Com uh, after the loss of the fantasy championship. Uh, they were calling me um, Jake Com Junior. So, um, but look, when you when you t- like put two and two together, you look at our the way our um, our pathways are going. It's very similar. Um, obviously, Jake Com's had a very successful career in the twos, um, and is now playing some uh, good ones footy and. Hopefully, I can follow in his footsteps. But where me and Comer are different by R is that he's done absolutely nothing in this league in fantasy. And, like, he hasn't been a real threat. Whilst last year, I showed that I can really compete with the big boys like Gabe and that and, you know, have an 11 and 2 season. But it's just when it comes down to the crucial moments, I've just got to capitalise on those in the finals. And some would argue me that you're not really a big threat, that your season last year was just a flash in the pan moment in time where you won a few on the trot, you got your record and you fell off the cliff. Do you actually believe that you are a big player? I think that's fucking bullshit. I am a fucking big player. I'm an OG of this league. Um, And like Gabe, Gabe's a two-time... I'm not putting myself in the same sentence as Gabe, but Gabe deserves his respect in... The fact that he's won two championships, I'd classify one of them as legit. The first one doesn't really count, but it does count, if you know what I mean. But last year shows that I can really be a threat in this league and I'd like some respect. Like, Max, Max not giving me respect after, you know, coming from a fucking Yahoo league, the fucking loser. And, like, I put up an 11-2 season and he's done fucking nothing. He's come from Yahoo. He's come out of nowhere. And he's fucking saying that he's going to finish better than me this year. So, um. Well, I'm keen for draft day because once I've done so many mocks, I've practiced all the outcomes that I want and um, I believe I'm in for a massive year this year. You said that you're keen for draft day and it seems like some people, namely the Dugowie's headlined by Jake Com and his trusty assistants, Gabe and Dimas, are being placing more emphasis on a wine tour on a Saturday and how twisted 
they're going to get across the weekend. Do you think that that could be their downfall? And are you going to get involved and sucked into their antics? It's like the, the devil on the one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder. Which side are you going to take, mate? Nah, I think I can take real advantage of um, this trip away. Just, um, you know, relax, loosen up a little bit, um, but not go as hard as it goes and possibly spike, you know, what they're putting in their system. Um, just, you know, you got to give yourself that subtle little edge on, on draft day. So um, pop a couple of extra pills in their drinks and, uh, yeah, just watch them fall. So you won't be treating draft as purely a business trip. There could be some people that might go there and they're strictly business, as some would say. Are you going to try to balance the two, a little bit of fun, a little bit of uh, fantasy at the same time? Whereas some people, I think they've got their... Um, like they're too far one way or the other. Um, I think some people are treating it like a business trip. Like um, I think Fitzy and Gaddy um, are really switched on this year. Um, Gaddy's been, you know, hard, hard with a study. Um, Ricky Williams RB one season this year, um, and Pitsy's really um, gone into the defensive side of things. So I reckon um, his defense is going to win him, but he's going to put him in real contention this year. But I think the Dugowies, Dimas, Gabe, and Comer are just getting too fucking arrogant, and they think they're just going to trample over this league. But I think they actually need to fucking pull their finger out and start taking this seriously. Well, that's the thing. At the moment, this season, as Pitsy would know, we're going into with a new format that we've never had before, and that's a two outside linebacker combination. So, um, Pitsy, with his um, first pick, I think he's earmarked Khalil Mack. And who would you take as your second outside linebacker in the draft meet if you had the fifth pick, uh, sorry, a fifth round pick on the table after drafting Khalil Mack in the first round? Um, I saw Darnell Savage. Um in his notes. So I reckon he's eyeing off Darnell Savage. So if I can snipe Pitsy in the fifth round, if that that's if Darnell Savage is still there, um, I'd be very happy with that. Otherwise, talk, I'd take like a TJ Watt or something. I like your thinking, but touching on reading other people's notes before the draft meet, I'm just going to veer off path here a little bit. Can you reflect on a couple of seasons ago when we were at the shack, very much like what's going to be happening in a week or two time on draft weekend and your notes were exposed by Jay Con in combination with maybe Chad, how are you going to protect your notes going into this season? Maybe in a suitcase locked away, sort of like the, the Brownlow votes. Yeah. Jake comes a fucking dog. Um, actually both the comms are cause Chad found him and then Jake, Jake leaked him. But um, that year was a fucking shambles. My laptop shut itself like three days before the draft. So I had to like handwrite all my notes that I could like remember. And then I just took the book in, put it on my bed and um, yeah, they got leaked. So this year, um, putting heaps of passwords on my laptop, firewalls. Um, yeah, this is top secret information that I've got on this laptop here. So um, yeah, I'm going to be taking this very seriously going into the draft. And an age of folklore that I've heard run through the league in previous seasons that no one's ever won the championship without having an Excel spreadsheet heading into the draft. And you mentioned that that season, your laptop crashed and you lost stuff that was on your laptop. Was that an Excel spreadsheet in there? And is that maybe the reason why you had an, an off year in 2019, 2020? Uh, yes, it was indeed an Excel spreadsheet. Um, it was my first year using one. Um, and then, 
yeah, so that crash got burnt, gone. So I had a handwrite what I could remember. Um, and then last year I had an Excel spreadsheet. So you can see um, the correlation between Excel spreadsheet and success in this league. Um, so this year I will be taking another Excel spreadsheet. And how is your Excel? Not one that I pay for, Yoey. Not one that I pay for, but one that I actually make. So. Well, you're a pretty smart man, Matey, as well. You just do plumbing as a hobby. You actually study astrophysics on the side. And that's why you've been able to design your own Excel spreadsheet, which has all the statistics and everything incorporated into is what I'm hearing. How will your spreadsheet be outlined this year without giving everything away? Um, lots of colours. Lots of highlight. Oh, fucking voice break. Lots of highlighted colours. What colours, um, though? You are colourblind. Yeah, ones that I can't always see. Um, I have a pink, pink white deficit, um, as some of us may know. Um, but yeah, I'd like to keep it simple on draft day, not try to overload my brain, my autistic brain, with too much information. Um, so yeah, just nice and simple on draft day, I reckon. You can't be too hard on yourself, mate. You have really come out of your bubble in the last few years, not shell, as uh, some would say. But you mentioned that your brain and you got that pink-white colour deficit this season. Going into the draft, you have different things coded so you don't fall into a trap like Jake Johansson did the other year and drafted two tight ends in the first two rounds. Yeah, it was a, it was a bold strategy by, by Yoey. Um, not one I'd highly recommend. Um, but I just, I think Yoey was just, he was too overloaded with his spreadsheet. There was too much going on. And I reckon that was his downfall. But um, also there's another reason to his downfall, which we'll touch on later with the, uh, my Degoe's theory that I've been studying for the last month and a half and looking into the facts and the correlation between the Degoe's and their, and their success. Um, but yes, I will be keeping my spreadsheet um, simple but with a fair few colours that I can understand. Great. I like it, mate. And what's the strategy you're going into this season? This year, more so than ever, the running back stocks are a little bit flaky, some would say. You've got Christian McCaffrey returning from injury, sacks morbidly obese. Kamara's in a situation where he's got potentially Taysom Hill that's going to steal a bit of his goal line work. The ball's not going to move as well. How will you be targeting your early round running backs and why will you be taking Antonio Gibson pick one? Um, yeah, if I land with pick, uh, pick one, I will be taking Antonio Gibson. Um, I think he's going to have a breakout year, but secondly, I just don't want you to have him. So I can trade Ray Pugh um, for Saquon Barkley um, when he's fully fit and healthy and possibly a high-end wide receiver for Antonio Gibson. Um, that will give me the fantasy championship. Um, but strategy-wise, I think it's more open than it was last year. I think last year was like pretty crucial to get a top-end QB um, for your fantasy success. But then um, like this year, I, I find like you still can have success, but then like later rounds, like there still are some nice QBs that you can sort of wait on and get um, in the later rounds as well. So it seemed it's quite up this year, I reckon. It seemed no last year, made that the people that did take your Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jacksons in those early rounds, such as Brill, I think they took Lamar, correct me if I'm wrong, and they were left um, burnt by that decision. And people would argue that once you get past your first, like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen's 
and the like this season, that they're kind of interchangeable. Your quarterbacks, you think that you can maybe pass on them, set yourself up with a really nice running back, wide receiver, and then target those quarterbacks around six through to 14 that are quite interchangeable? I think you can. Um, Gabe, I think Gabe took Mahomes last year and Maka took Lamar. But in the end, like at the end of the year, like Lamar had his like amazing playoff run. Um, after, like after his bye week, he really like started running the ball a bit more, and then Pat Mahomes was still like a high end, like consistent QB one. So, I think you can go both ways. You can pick one of those guys and still have a good team, or if not, you can wait and get someone like a like a Joe Burrow later or something, and be happy that way. I reckon. Yeah, and say hypothetically speaking, you were presented with pick three or four in the draft, and. Christian McCaffrey goes 101, Delvin Cook 102, and then you were hit at 103 and you had your choice of, say, Alvin Kamara, um, Saquon Barkley, etc. Would you take them over a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, whoever you valued as the QB one? Depends how I'm feeling on the day, I reckon. If I'm feeling frisky... Um, if I wanted to go like a Saquon at three, who we all know has got the RB1 potential or play it safe and go at Paddy Mahomes. So um, that's the beauty of Superflex. Um, I've realised how much more advanced it is than just your standard one QB leagues. There's actually a lot more strategy to it. So I'm glad we made the switch last year and we've um, continued to stick with it this year. And would you be comfortable, mate, if you were to say take a Patrick Mahomes at pick three and then you weren't getting a pick until... I can't remember exactly how the snake works around your late teens. Would would you be? I understand how it works. I'm just saying your pick, would, <laughs> your, sec, your second pick would be in your late teens. I'm not sure exactly which one, but um, would you be comfortable in taking like a, a Najee Harris or an Austin Eckler, a Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who burnt you last season as your RB one? Yeah, I'd be comfortable with that. I reckon um, Clyde did burn me, but. Um, I love that little fucking midget slash chipmunk. Um, yeah, little nugget. Oh, I love him. He's fucking funny. So um, I would be happy with that if the draft was to fall that way, I reckon. And would you be comfortable with having Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as your RB1? You said you love the little nugget as well. Like, on a serious note, would you be comfortable with a, a small back that has shown in the past that he has struggled to get in uh, – and convert on his goal line work? Um, I think I would be okay with it just because he's in such a high-powered offense um, and he's going to see, like, a comfortable 15 touches in a high-powered offense. So I think I would be okay with him being my RB1. But if that was the case, I'd have to have, like, a really solid QB and a really solid wide receiver in front before I'd him as my RB1. Yeah, and this is moving back to your quarterbacks that we were reflecting on before. And in previous seasons, you've sort of seen a QB1 come out of the woodworks. Almost Patrick Mahomes had that season, Lamar, then Josh Allen. Do you think that you might be in a little bit of danger if you're backing them to be the QB1 and we could maybe have someone this season like a Justin Herbert come from just the outskirts and be that QB1? Um... Jalen Hurts season this year, baby. I know there's talks about Deshaun Watson going to the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts, um, 
he's he's got the upside with the legs. Um, he wasn't accurate last year, but you don't have to be overly accurate to be a good fantasy quarterback. So I think he could come out of nowhere um, and sort of push those guys to be a QB1, I reckon. Yes. And you mentioned Deshaun that you don't think that that's going to be the case where he's going to go from the dumpster fire in Houston to um, the sweet surrounds of Darren Mead's operated Philadelphia organisation. <laughs> um, do you think that um, Houston will be that dumpster fire this season, as Gabe mentioned, when he locked them in for $25 to be the worst team for the season? We'll have the worst record for the season. Do you agree with that? that- that is the fucking safest bet of all time. Houston are a fucking shambles. I can't believe Dave like, would just say that's. He thinks that's like a risky bet. It's fucking safe as houses, bar. He's got some um, nuts. But I don't think Deshaun's going to go to the Eagles because he's going to come to the, the promised land of the Mile High City, um, Denver Broncos. Um, but Daz doesn't even go for the Eagles anymore. He's gone to the Colts where um, he's followed his boy Carson Wentz um, to the IR spot. So you're saying that Darren Mead has followed Philly to go to the Colts and is showing no team loyalty like when he left Port Adelaide Magpies for the Port Power in 1997? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's um, that's exactly the same thing. Uh, leaving Philly um, to go to the Colts just to his to follow his boy Carson Wentz is the exact same thing as going from the Port Magpies the. Power. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw one at you here, touching on Carson. <laughs> touching on Carson Wentz. Well, he was the inaugural, uh, the inaugural um, QB one. Darren was that season, winning the uh, best of yeah. for the club. So he was the, the marquee man. Big contract away. Back one. A big contract awaited him, but then Mitch was born the next year, and he had to uh, retire the father in duty to look after him. Um, but Carson Wentz, he's, he's ranked as QB 30 going into this season. Do you think that's a little bit unfair for someone that was like an MVP candidate? What did you say? It was QB 30. Yeah, he's ranked QB 30 is what I've got in front of me right now. He's dropped. Um, well, there's reports that he might be back like week one, like his recovery is actually going well. So... If you were to snag him as like your third QB later in a draft, that's I'd be pretty fucking chuffed with that, I reckon. Yeah, uh, I like where your head's at, mate. But moving on from a quarterbacks, like we ha- we've got an expert on the podcast with us tonight. We have to ask him his thoughts and everything. I hope you've got your notepads out there with you guys taking notes, and hopefully you can learn a little bit from our expert that we have here on the podcast. But heading into the season, you've got some really high class wide receivers rising through the ranks, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin. Do you think that they could take the step to the next level and potentially dethrone your Tyreek Hills, Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs? Or do you think that that top three is really set and forget? I can hear you typing in the background. So I reckon you're fucking writing everything I say, like, down, just preparing for the draft, knowing what players are like. Um, so for the rest of the league, I highly advise you do the same, um, just to try and knock me off my arm my perch as the uh, minor premier last year. But continuing with that, um, I do like some of the younger wide receivers like your Jefferson, um, your Terry McLaurins and stuff like that. But I don't think they could knock off, say, like a Devontae Adams or a Tyreek Hill barring injury to those like two superstars just because they're tied to such elite QBs and they're like the number one option in like high-powered offences. And would you call me crazy, mate, for thinking that Stefan Diggs could potentially topple Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and take the role 
sorry, take the crown as the wide receiver one this season. He's got Josh Allen's being paid. He's got the visor, big contract, and he was amazing last year. Obviously, a phenomenal talent. Um, I think he'd need to score a bunch of touchdowns to overtake someone like a Adams or a Tyreek Hill as the number one. Um, but it's well within his possible range of the outcomes, I reckon. For sure. Last one we'll go through, man. We'll go through our tight ends. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, set and forget, tight end won most seasons. Do you think that Kelsey, Kittle, Darren Waller is your big three, or can someone like a Kyle Pitts come from the outskirts and, and push one of those guys out, or are they too strong to move from where they are? I like, I like Brill's prediction of Kyle Pitts being a, a top three tight end, like his bet of putting Kyle Pitts in the top three. I think it's gettable for him um, just because he's such a, an elite talent. Um, but I wouldn't be ta- I obviously wouldn't be taking him over those like a Kelsey, a, a Walrus or a Kittle. Um, but I do like um, Pitts this year. Um, but I think uh, Pitsy's going to get his man. He has to because his name's fucking King fucking where it is called Pitsy, his team name. It wasn't even original. Brill came up with it for him, which is come on, pity. This is a topic for later in the the podcast, and this can maybe relate to your your conspiracy theory about the Vigoes, but that will be pity, and we'll reflect on him there. But you mentioned that you can't, you said it's in the range of Pitts' outcomes, but you can't see it happening. If it was to happen, who would drop out? Do you think that it would most likely be Waller? Because Kelsey, too high powered offense. Kittle hopefully has an injury-free season. He's got Trey Lance taking the uh, snaps this year instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, most likely. Um, do you think that it could be Waller is the one that would have to drop the pits to make his way in? Nah, I think it would be Kittle just because San Fran have more options around Kittle. And then, um, obviously, the Jimmy G to Trey Lance like takeover is going to happen at some point during this year. So like he's going to have to adjust to a rookie quarterback whilst Waller's like the number one option on a team with like Derek Carr, who just loves to target the tight end. So um, I think it would be Kittle that would drop out for Pitts to be a top three tight end. Yeah. And before we move on to your conspiracy theory, uh, a few administration stuffs in terms of bench spots and IR made, while we've got you on this topic, what would be your lot? What would you be willing to put $25 of your hard-earned money, hard-earned matches down on the line to say that will not happen, will happen this season, sorry? Will that not, will not happen. happen? Yeah, that will not not happen. Will not not happen. Right, okay. Um, oh. For example, I said that Antonio Gibson... 50 yeah. bucks. I think it was top three RB and Terry McLaurin was top seven wide receiver for 50 bucks or something along those lines. Let's get a ventress here, mate. Put your balls on the line. Oh, I'm going to fucking... I'm going to back my boy in, Clyde. Um, he will finish as a top seven running back this year. And will you be taking the minimum bet of $20 or will you be up in your state? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put $25 towards fines. Um if he does not finish as a top seven running back this year. Perfect. And as you know, man, I'm not a gambling man and I'm not going to try to promote that. Anyone, <laughs> but, but all of this money here is going to a fantastic cause, um, hopefully to euthanise comma at 
the cookies at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the season, so we can we can pay way for someone else to get their team. I personally, me, I'm probably going off track here, but I think that's the only way that someone could get their team in the league this season. I just think we're so structurally strong now uh, as a league, minus maybe Macker. I think that he could be on his last legs. Is if Comma was to uh, just go haywire and overdose at the end of season, get together. How else? Who else drops out? Well, I think I don't. Well, Brill's obviously only just broken the news to a couple of people, but with Brill possibly moving into state, I think he would have to be kicked out of the league. And Kyle Gatt, old prediction here, but Kyle Gatt would take over as the owner of the Brillionaires and become the commissioner of the league in 2022. Well, that's what I was going to uh, ask. It's bold, it's bold, but it's out there. That's what I was going to yeah, ask me. Do you think that the strain of Isaac moving to Queensland to work alongside Yoey in his stockbroking firm <laughs> could, could, could potentially could potentially be the downfall of the Brooklyn Club? That separation. Long distance doesn't work. I know. Just ask Jess. <laughs> hundred percent. Like Queensland's just a death for league members. Once you go there, you don't come back. Um, so yeah, I think, I think if uh, when Brill does move to Queensland and go count, like co-owners with Yoey in their law and their um, insurance broking firm, um, that Gaddy will take over as the owner of the Brillionaires and become commissioner of the league. I think we'll do our housekeeping at the end of the show, mate. I think this is just the perfect little segue into what I wanted to discuss with you. And the reason why I got you on the pod, I don't know if anyone's listened this far, but I think this could potentially be the best pod I've done. This has been great. Absolutely great. Mead is fantastic talent. and I don't know why you bully him. I'll be having him on once a week on the podcast. But you mentioned that um, Isaac and Yoey are setting up their insurance stockbroking thing. Do you think potentially Yoey and Isaac could cook up a lawsuit against Gabe and the Degoe's for what they've done? Um, possibly. I, I heard I heard Yoey has been cooking up. Uh, I have been in touch with him. He has been cooking up a lawsuit um, for what Gabe has done to him with um, the Degoe's takeover, um, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but, yes, I do think it's a possibility that a, law, a lawsuit's coming for Gibb for um, the crimes that he has committed to a... Uh, an ex-league um, member. And an ex-brother, really. An ex-goey, an ex-founding member. But really, mate, if anyone's going to get a defamation suit, it's probably me for announcing the information <laughs> live on the podcast to Yoey. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. I'm a journalist. I'm paid by the league as to be an independent... break these stories, mate. You have in, to. To be an independent news hound after Liam Phillips failed his opportunity last season when asked to step up from the Gawler Times to take on the role of this. But he said, no, I'm happy covering Gawler Greyhounds. But you do you, Liam. I'll do me. That's why I get paid the big bucks and have the best pot on Spotify, unfortunately. But you mentioned you've got a conspiracy theory, mate, and this links up to how everything transpired and the downfall of our once champion, the once... He's a predator. He preyed on the vulnerable. He sniffed out the vulnerable and he got what he wanted. He was a menace. And then he's just become a fragile shell of his former self that eventually just couldn't deal with his own emotions after this moment happened. Yeah, so look, I've I've uh, studied this theory 
thoroughly um, for about about a month, a month and a half, I reckon. And I just want to say before you read this out, mate, if you aren't paying much attention, sit down now, turn the volume up, get yourself a cup of coffee, whatever, comma, rail one up, sit back and enjoy <laughs> this moment. I'm going to let me take the floor and read this out. It's great. Yeah, knock, knock back a brownie, my brothers, because um, you'll She's need to get weird. Yeah, you need to fucking listen to these findings. So my findings date back to the inaugural um, 2016 season. Um, so in 2016, Gabe wins the uh, inaugural um, fantasy championship. Um, congrats to him. Obviously, standard league. Um, like points got um, deducted for QBs getting sacked. Um, so yeah, well done, Gabe. Really good efforts there. But um, so in 2017, this is where Yoey um, joins the league, um, and this is the birth um, of the uh, the well-known um, Dagoes in the league. Um, and in Yoey's first season, he comes second, um, which was a great effort for a uh, debut season. And Gabe finishes mid-table. I think he finished about seventh or eighth, a little bit. Um, yeah, about there. So a little bit of a championship hangover there. But um, yeah, so this is, start, this is where it starts to get interesting. So in the 2018 season, um, Yoey starts to abandon Gabe and Yoey wins his um, first title and Gabe just beats Mitch Kerr in the Sacco Bowl. Um, now Gabe having Chinese descent means his family have told him that he has to be the best at everything, you know. Or He's told yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to get A plus, you have to get A plus, you have to become doctor, lawyer, you know what I mean? Champ so, champ. Champ champ, you have to be champ champ. Uh, so he comes up with a plan. Um, raging at his fellow Goyos member, due to his recent success, Gabe decides to fuck Yoey's missus. Um, in fucking socks and thongs. <laughs> in Mrs. Chow's disabled toilet. Why <laughs> his fellow league member. Eight. He's done his brother like that. He's <laughs> fucking so dirty. Um, and this results in the falling out of the Dugowies in the 2019 season. And they go their separate ways. So in 2019, this is where Gabe starts to build his Dugowies empire. And um, this is where Yoey starts to decline. Now, Gabe, he needs to feed off other people to have success. Like when he trade raped Liam um, with the Kelsey trade after Liam was high. He's like Voldemort, really. Yeah. <laughs> he needs his followers so yeah. um, he recruits Dimas um, to the Dugowies. Um now Dimas at this point in time was like he was coming off a near sacker year he'd like done nothing in the league to this point um, and he'd like just brought in Pitsy um, to like sort of regenerate his love um, for fantasy football um, so with Dimas um, I think his success um, was due to like Pitsy joining his team and he had that assistant to rely on um, and help him get to where he needed to be. So with Pitsy joining um, Dimas' team, they go on to win the title and Gabe comes a very uh, modest uh, third. So you can see that the Dugowies have finished first and third and after Yoey has been kicked out, um, Yoey misses the finals and like comes mid table. Um, so Yoey, after you know the devastating news of what Gabe's done to him, um, you can start to see a decline. And now this is where you can start to see the trend, um, which will be finalised at the end. So now in the 2020 season, 
Um, Gabe has now recruited Coma to the goalies, and now to this point, Coma has done absolutely fucking nothing in this league. He's had no success. And do I think that it was a surprise that he had a podium, like a podium finish after joining the goalies? I think not. The reason is because they are all trading information, all helping each other to get better at fantasy, practically being each other's assistants. And now, like we've had, so I had I brought Isaac into this league um, because I was I was starting to fall out of love with fantasy. I was getting too busy to like, you know, like wake up and do all the trades and shit like that. So I got Isaac in to like help me and I wanted him to like have his own team the like the following year it was it was a succession plan. So and ultimately it worked. But now with these assistants like Pitsy's come in, he's got his own team. Um Brill's got Gat, who I think is primed to have a big year this year. I think Gat's a waste of space personally, but I like <laughs> I like the kid. He doesn't contribute anything. He's a good kid. He's he has, oh, he has so much commitment for a dude out that he knows like nothing about NFL. He like wakes up two o'clock, gets to my house at two thirty, watches Red Zone. Like massive commitment for a bloke who like just does not give a fuck. But anyway. It could be the same for like maybe your plumbing career, man. Like I'm hearing some talk that you're not the best plumber, but you consistently turn up five o'clock every morning. <laughs> On site, that? that's rumors I'm hearing that are getting around. Maybe it's come through the Flinders Park scene. I don't know how that may have leaked. Maybe your co-workers leaked that to some people. But apparently, you just turn up every day, and that's like Gabby. He just turns up. He's there. He's a pest. You can't get rid of him. He's like that fly on the shit when you clean out the toilets, mate. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the second greatest um, a plumbing apprentice that has ever been. Obviously, After you Jackson take the title first. Yeah, obviously, you take the title no, first. No, no, you're the fourth, mate. You're the fourth, because it goes Aaron Franz, Jackson Franz, Harrison Franz, the three greatest plumbers probably in history. Is your brother, is your brother a plumber now? Yeah, he's commercial, so um, he's, yeah, got a commercial gig, doing well. Uh, fucking making bacon, oh, little cunt, so... I never, I never thought he'd make it in life, but here he is. No, he has. He's turned out all right. Probably better than me. Um, but, yeah, back, back to what you were saying. Yes, about yes. Back to the theory. So, um, where was I? So, Dimas, uh, Comma, and Gabe are now in the Degoes, Um And they all finish on the podium. Um, first, second, third. Well done. Congratulations. But um, do I think, like, this is a coincidence? No, because... I think they're all helping each other um, to get better um, in the league, like trading secrets, helping each other with trades. So they're practically colluding. Um, and I think that they are doing this like with, like, so Mac has brought Ed into the league. And do I think Ed belongs in this league? Probably not because I think Mac needs to grow some balls and like, take his franchise by the horns and actually try to have some success in this league by themselves. I think the Degoe should do the fucking same because I think it's just pathetic that they are just like, they're just feeding off each other and colluding off each other to get better. Whilst I got rid of, like, I let Brill spread his wings and fly. I had a down year, but then I pulled myself together. And I fucking like became the minor premiers. So, 
like I think now with the history of like assistants and co-owners like like have a strong showing behind it like Isaac I had my first relevant season with him got rid of him had a down year but now I'm back Dumas had Pitsy won his title in his first year Pitsy's now gone so now we'll see if Dumas will like fall off a cliff and Pitsy will like be good and show that he is the mastermind behind the team and I just think that like Pitsy, uh, sorry, I think Pommer, I think the Degos should just be no more because, like, I think you should just have your own brain, be your own team, and just fucking, like, just fucking be the man. Own the franchise to yourself. Like, stop sucking each other's, like, dicks, Degos, and just fucking, like, oh, it's just, it's infuriating. It's, just, it's absolutely infuriating. So, and then, like, you saw Yoey, Yoey, like, he didn't have anyone to feed off at the end and he's like come last he came Sacco and now he's gone. So like, there's, a, there's a strong correlation between assistants like helping you get better and that's what the Degoes are. They're practically just assistants. It's like a three-headed monster that are just helping each other. And I just think that the commissioners should just cut them out. And it sounds like you've spent a lot of time, mate. Maybe this, something happened in your brain after the Brownie incident at the river and it sent you into this thought pattern where you're actually able to generate such a conspiracy and it really does make a lot of sense i think the way that you've you've put it out there on the table mate it's really well thought through and articulated and i think everyone can agree that the the degoes are a problem in this league and it's sort of like the dark lord's rising once again like it's like harry potter 4 like the goblet of fire where Voldemort, he's slowly building and to back to where he was before. And the Degoes, I think there's something scary this season. If we don't put a stop to it, they could potentially take over the league. Yeah, like the the facts are there that 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 are backing up um, owners having assistance. Like me, I had a good year with Brew. Brew left. I had a shit year now, and then I, like, I I fucking wanted to prove myself that I actually can. I I belong in this league, and that's where I had my good year. Macca needs to do the same. He can't just bring someone into the league and just, like, bounce ideas off of them to try and get better. He needs to fucking... Unless Ed wants his own team, that's fine. You can bring assistants in the league to have their own team, like Pitsy, like Brill, like Gaddy, who's eventually going to be an owner in 2022. Bold prediction there. Um, but I think the Degoes need to be stopped because they, they just can't keep going like this. Otherwise, it's just going to be unfair advantage having three people just colluding with each other, trade ideas. Like, it's so obvious that the facts are there. Like, everything's there. We just need to open our eyes and see it. I understand it, mate, but the Degoes are almost like mandatory vaccination. It's something that majority of the public don't want to occur, but how can we stop it? How does Brill, in his first season as commissioner stamp that out like what can you do about it they need to be separated on draft days as far as possible um so like have, like primary school we have the x's with um, masking tape on the ground and says comma you have to sit here gabe you have to sit here comma will be six feet under on draft day he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna sort of fucking on a fucking like a fucking big brownie but um I, yeah, I think I think something needs to be done. And if they actually, if they really wanted to prove me wrong here, they would split like they would split themselves up and try and win the championship on their on their own. Like Gabe's got to do it on his own. His first championship doesn't count. 
because it was a, like it was our first year, but the guys went in, it was our first year, it was a standard league, like point system was shit. And then he won it last year in a COVID year when he had like the guys were ultimately their strongest, like Comma, Dimmer, Gabe, like three people just feeding off each other. That's why they won. That's why they got their podium finished. So if they want to prove me wrong and stop being the fucking pussies that they are, like split, like split up, split up. I want no more to go in this league. Because it's just fucking, at the end of the day, it's just fucking big collusion. Like, it's massive collusion. And, and we can't have that in the league. I agree wholeheartedly with you, Mead. And the thing is, you've outlined the issue, but you haven't really given the solution other than a call to aunt or a cry to say, to go easy, stop, please stop. Like, I can't see how it can physically happen. How can we stamp it out when they're technically not anything official and it's all conspiracy, even though I do agree. Like, what's the rules that Drill would have to bring in? Look, look, France, I came up with a theory. Like, I spent a month and a half on it. I, I don't have the solution. I think that's the, commission, I think that's the commissioner's board to fucking come, with that, come up with that solution. I put all in the hard yards to fucking provide the facts and they need to come up with the solution. I can't just do everything. You know what I, I mean? agree. I, I really understand what you're saying, man. You've got another 90 days to potentially work on a solution, but I'm happy that you've, you've brought the issue out into the public domain. And I don't know, it might be like racism in the 1970s when people first said it was an issue and it's just going to take years to eventually eradicate the problem and we'll have times where things are going to slip up and uh, the goies will come back. But I think we can collectively as a league push them out. But you mentioned Macca and his relevance. Do you think that maybe this could be Macca's last season in the league if things don't improve? Because I feel like the pressure's mounting on him like it was on Yoey. Look, I think, I think Macca, like I stated, like he's, he's going on about you know, oh, he's had the most points for. He's been up there with the most points for, but I've had the most points against. Excuses. It's just, it's it's excuses at the end of the day. Like talent, talent will shine through. Hard work will shine through. Um, and I think he just needs to like just make some bold moves, and just not re- like bringing Ed into the league was just like a wrong move for him. He needs to like prove that he can do it on his own. Because if he's gonna have, if he has success this year with Ed, guess what? They're like the like conclusion's gonna be, oh, Ed's the mastermind behind like Macca's team. So like Macca's gotta prove that he can do it on his own. Yeah, well that's the thing. It's almost like you said in the conspiracy theory, if for some reason Dimas does go backwards this season and Pitsy, I can't see how it happens, but stranger things have happened and makes finals or God forbid wins the final. Do you think that completely discredits everything Dimas has achieved in the past two seasons? Yeah, I I think I think if George even finishes higher than Dimas this year, it discredits like anything Dimas has done because it just shows that Dimas was the mastermind behind um, the team that was Jesus and Pitts, and it'll, yeah, it would just like it would just shine through that Pitsy was the man and Dimas was just the bloke who was just you know punching in the orders whilst Pitsy was behind like the brains behind the dis- like the decisions. Well, it all makes sense, Mead, really, because if you think about it, we lost Mitchell Kerr that season a couple of years ago, and Dimas, we're on the brink of losing him. He was gone. Like, that third season, he, he was a non-factor. And then Pitsy come along and saved him, and they won a final. They lost one by point two two or whatever it was. 
and now Pitchy's gone. Like the writing's maybe on the wall here. And if it does transpire how you said potentially, Dimas loses all respect for me. And the last two years, he's belittled George and made George look stupid, maybe to boost his fragile ego. Ego, could that be the case? Yeah, like 100%. If, like, Dimas, if, if he has a shit year this year, like, Pissy was the man. And, like, that's what I want fucking, like, Babe to be as well. Like, Babe's had his assistance as the Degoes, like, for the past few years with Yoey, fucked his missus, kicked him out, got his boys in, got Dimas, got Comer in, and then he won the championship. So I want the Degoes to do it on their own. Like, Comer, I think Comer's, like, no chance. Like, Comer's, like, dumb as dog shit. He didn't even know who Zach Wilson was, um, like, two days ago. So... I think commas are relevant. I just want, I just want Babe, and I want to see Dimas just try and do it on their own. Well, we all know, they, we all they know, don't, they don't deserve my respect. I agree with you, man. But we all know that this season, Commas going to go in thinking he's back, baby. I'm fucking back, bitches. <laughs> and he's going to get to the draft. AJ Green's going to be sitting there in front of him, <laughs> not going to be able to help himself. And then next thing, next pick rolls around. Ty Hilton's right there in front of him. Oh. Round nine comes on. Oh, who do I take? He goes and takes Marshall Lynch of the free agent. Why? Like, is he just going to set himself up for failure once again? Like, can Comet ever be relevant unless he sorts out his problems? He's every year he, he gets a couple of injuries and he's like, oh, the team's so good, but injuries. It's because you're drafting fucking fossils, Comet. Like, draft some fucking talent that you think is going to fucking boom, not like some washed up veteran like AJ Green who's got nothing left in the tank. Like, there's reasons as to why you're not succeeding. And, like, you've just got to fucking find those reasons, work on them and improve and get better the next year. I don't think Common's fucking got the brain capacity to do it. Bro, Common got the inside information from the Arizona Cardinals beat reporter, um, (laughs) Bobby Boucher, that... um, (laughs) (laughs) That uh, AJ Green's been absolutely training the house down. What's your take on that? Um, yeah, sure. AJ Green's been training really well with no pads on, no defenders, catching everything that's been thrown at him. But when push comes to shove, there's going to be a defender on AJ Green. I don't think he's going to do anything this year. But, I mean, come on, go for it, mate. Prove me wrong. Draft AJ Green in the 10th round and put him in your first three wide receivers and you're just watching bust in the first week. But I want you to prove me wrong, brother. Just one last one, mate, before we get into some housekeeping and wrap things up. Jaden Barnes won. I think Jaden's almost like Macker, and it may be something in the blood, in the genes. They just live in medi- mediocrity. Like, their fantasy careers are just built on mediocrity and people having, like, respect for them as people that has maybe got them this far. Like, do you think Jaden's under pressure this year? He's relinquished the commissioner role. He should be all systems go. Do you think he could be gone? And then I, I think... I think- Jaden and Macker are in the hot seat to perform this year. Um, obviously, both of them coming off down years. But when I was looking back, doing my Degoe study, I thought that I saw um, Jaden had like a, I think it was like an 11-2 season as well, or like a 10-3. and like, And it, I looked at his team and it was fucking good. So I think Jaden does have the talent to build a really high-powered um, roster but he's just got to put it together this year. Otherwise, um, yes, his uh, future and Macca's future could be in question, I reckon. 
we've really gone in depth here tonight, maybe in the, the topics we've covered so far from conspiracy theories to uh, Mac and Jay shit talking about everyone. But is, is there any truth that um, in the photo where Gabe had the socks and the sandals on that he was also, <laughs> that he was also wearing an Asian rice hat? as well uh, that he did I reckon, steal. He was, I reckon he was wearing his angry birds beanie <laughs> he um, that would be the most game thing to do i reckon if he wore that whilst railing well dimmers we, we won't know we won't know we won't know I'm we don't know if it's true sure. apparently it was a spit comma and dimmers and you always probably will hear this he listens to this podcast uh that's the truth it's what happened um and it was the Degoys. It was the Degoys. filming the David Dimmer putting Palmer on the spit. <laughs> There's a bit of that happens, especially. Little, that, that, that's what they promote Comer to do what he does is to get him fucked up so they can put him on spit. He's, he's just their little pet. Like, he wouldn't know what goes on half the time. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was Comer getting railed by Gabe. Well, <laughs> Dimmer, I, I urge you, Dimmer. Just leave that photo in the group chat for more than five seconds. We need to see it. It's public. If that photo is cropped, we want the full thing. We want the full photo. I want to see what's going on there and just get get rid of the conspiracy theory and come out with the facts. I'm selfish. I just want the photo for myself. So I want <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But um, yeah. a- a- enough of that. I think we've um, covered off all those bases, me. But this is one part that everyone's really loved about our league over the last two or three seasons since it was implemented by a five-time finalist or at the time three-time finalist and that's the, the magical boom or bust segment i play a little game with my uh, subjects my interviewees on the podcast and this is the boom or bust me what i'm going to do is i'm going to run through all 12 teams including myself uh, and i want to get a boom or bust reaction from you based on those members are you happy to play Perfect. Yeah, awesome. Play. We're going to start with the Brilliant Club. Are they a boom or bust this season? Boom. Chad Conn. Boom. Lockie McDonald and Ed. Oh, bust. The champ champ, Gabriel Burden. <sighs> bust. Jake Conn. Bust. George Pitsiakis. Boom. Anthony Dimmis. Bust. Mac Haynes. Bust. Jaden Barton. Boom. Liam Phillips. Oh, I forgot he was in the league. <laughs> well, he won't um, come on the pod. <laughs> um, bust. Five-time friends. Oh. Boom, just because of your track record. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone says, I'm proven. And I think this could be my breakout season this year. And another one that's listed in the group chat here, just in the list in front of me, is Mitchell Kerr. Do we have 13 teams this season? Is he a boomer yeah. or a bust? Boom. Boom, he's, he's back from pro. I don't understand why he's still in the league, but I love that, mate. I think he, <laughs> um, that's our Bible. That's how the season's going to play out as well, based on me. It's boomer or bust selections. Oh, you forgot me as well. Oh, and yourself, yeah. Boom! <laughs> Go! I love it. <laughs> Who does it better? You or Comma? You have to have a let's fucking go off. I think Com- I think Comma was the OG of the let's fucking go. Let's fucking go! Oh, I just back. Another level. Bitches. No, that's I, love how, I love how I love how 
um, Kerr's still in the league. Like, he hasn't left yet. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's there. Keeps the chat on mute and just lets it pop up. Like, look, Mitch, if you're listening, I'm sure you're an avid listener of this podcast, as so many other people are. I think after Joe Rogan gets kicked off for spreading anti-vaccine propaganda that we're going to take his contract um, with Spotify this talk so i'll have to do my best behavior moving forward but Kerr, if you're listening feel free to leave the league right now but me just one last housekeeping one you were involved in an incident at the 2019 draft at point turton where you're playing a one-on-one um uh like a, a series of a play with a, a kid who at the time has two fuck knees had hardly played sport in six years and everyone was out there watching on the deck this go down i can't remember who threw it up maybe liam and you got mossed and it's been a running joke for a couple of years and everyone seems to have really embraced it uh, surprisingly enough like this podcast what's your take on the incident can you run us through play by play how you got mossed by me yeah i just didn't pay any respect you know skinny white guy it was like a baby giraffe just running around with his two wobbly knees just didn't pay any respect. And I, th- I think I went for the body and you just you used your frame too tall um, and just juggled. I think he like juggled it four times, I reckon, and hauled it in for a um, nice catch. But that's another thing I'm looking forward to, one-on-ones at draft day. Um, that's the second thing that I have been practicing other mm. than mock drafts and podcasts. As, um, Carl's, I'm keen for that. as Carl's loving father would say, Mitch, I've got three words sure. that I want to. I've got three words that I want to say to you right now. Too big, too fast, too strong, too good. That's really. That was like fifteen. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> surely not. No, no, no. Surely not. Surely not. Oh, no, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I was too good for you on the day. But this season, me, do you think that maybe you're scarred from that incident and? I'm not going to be there, but would you be willing to go one-on-one with someone like a Pitsy and get embarrassed by someone who is, at the time, a meme in the league? I've elevated myself from that level now. Um, yeah, I would, because I think I think you're you're the low, and then Pitsy's like, he's like mid-table. And I reckon Pitsy's like a... He's, you don't think he's athletically gifted, but I reckon he is. Just, just suddenly like under the radar. So, well, I would be up for the challenge, I reckon, with Pitts. I think Pitts has been a bit of a welcome addition to the league. Like, everyone takes the piss out of him, but I, he's like, you just love to hate him. Like, he's just that character that you want to punch in the face, but you just can't help love him. Do you feel that about Pitts or is it just me? I love his big smile. His big smile makes me happy. It's the IMBD rating. Um, but, yeah, just he's... He's just funny to, like, laugh at. <laughs> nah, he's a, he's a good man, Pitsy. And, look, I, I think... What are we putting in? Like, what's the prize at the end of this year, mate? Like, financially, if you win the league, is it $550, $600? I was thinking of the maths the other day. So, like, obviously, we're putting in... I, I think it was, like, 50 bucks. It was, like, 50 bucks or something, and then 25 to fines. Yeah, so it's about so, 600 600 so like, like six hundred bucks, and oh, like second, I don't the second get anything. I can't remember. Oh, uh, maybe the money I think back. First, just takes it all. But yeah. with the fines, like you're putting in the fines, and like we're gonna, we're obviously gonna see how much, like how many fines we pay at the end of the year for the end of season trip. 
Like, I wonder how much, if you win the league and you, like, subtract your fines, how much you're actually winning. I was thinking about it the other day. <laughs> it's a good way to look like, at you it. Might, if, you, if you have, like, a big fine year, you might only win, like, 50 bucks. Um, but you get the trophy, so that's really what you're playing for. You're and the ring. For the and yeah, the you're ring. playing for the trophy and you're playing for the ring. So, um, it's not about the money. It's about the success and the title. And you're, yeah, like you said, you the incentive is you're almost paying for free fines. So if you back yourself and you think you can win the league, just go for it. Maybe that's Kyle yeah, Gatt's exactly. approach. Maybe that's Gatt's approach. He's confident that he's going to take Brill's team over halfway through the season when Brill and Yoey <laughs> end up in a, a relationship and Yoey sways Brill to, to leave the league like he did and join him in um, partnership under the oath of God, Yoey's loving father who aren't in heaven. And... Um, Gat takes over and wins the $500 and he pays off his fine debts across the year. Because Gat could have a hefty fine fee at the end of the season. Well, he, he's the highest fine person right now. And he copped a fucking fair whack for his birthday yeah. post to Claudia, who we all know would probably be listening because we've obviously got a big um, listening um, support, like support group um, listening to the, the podcast. So I reckon it's not too listening. bad when you think about it, mate. Like, it's going to cost him $25. And that post ensured that Gaddy got a, a route that night. And look, if you want to get yourself a, a, a good looking blonde hooker, you pay more than $25. So, <laughs> it's a fair trade off. <laughs> can't believe you just called Gaddy's missus a hooker. I can't believe you just called Claudia a hooker. That's I did fun. not. I said the post. Gaddy won't be listening this far. It's past his bedtime, but I'm saying... Yeah, like, yeah that's all I'm saying. You're taking out of context. But the question I wanted to ask me, that segues perfectly into here. This is one thing that everyone's going to be asked now in the league. Arthur Dimas introduced it on the podcast and Gabe so beautifully articulated himself when asked it. you got to fuck one, kill one, marry one, mate. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. The first one, Claudia Schumach. Second one, <laughs> Macy Nankerville. And the third one is Beck Passanini. Nah, um, <laughs> so I can't. I can't do my fellow league members like that, brother. Gabe, an- Gabe answered it. Yeah, because Gabe's a sick fucking freak. Why <laughs> have your girlfriends really? Like Gabe spent years in this league to get closer. Like no one's safe. Yeah, as if if you break up with your missus, it's just like it's it's all go for Gabe. He's just like send that first message saying, "Hey, you're up. What are you doing?" Interesting, so, me. You know how like sometimes people say that your phone or your ads are listening to what you say, and like you you sorry, your phone's listening to what you say, and you get advertisements based on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got some advertisements in front of me right now, and it's, it's come up. We won. For, you win what five hundred dollars for the league. We're talking about. Yeah. It's as well, and you said his beautiful smile. It's come up in front of me. Custom made clip on veneers from IntraSmile for dentures, $499.50. You would not believe it. So, if Pitsy wins the league, he's buying himself some fucking brand new dentures. Some new dentures, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening. They're listening. So, they're listening we owe it to you, mate. Get yourself some yeah, chompers. Yeah. Get yourself some fresh chompers. Tony Jones, you're going to look an absolute treat. But enough of bullying our league members. Um, the karma bus is going to roll around. I better get off quickly before it uh, goes full circle. But some housekeeping, <laughs> some housekeeping need before we wrap this. Probably the best podcast I think I've ever been on. This is great. Um, 
And this was mentioned on when we had the commissioner Brill and we, we did a, um, an administration podcast the other week and we went through some things that people wanted answered. What's your take on the um, injured reserve slot? And do you think that's a, a, something that needs to be a staple of our fantasy rosters moving forward as Gabe so uh, eloquently defended the IR spot when Brill questioned, maybe we could remove it. Um, yeah, I don't mind the IR spot. If you obviously, if you like one of your superstars gets injured, you're not having to just like sit him on the bench for you know four to six weeks or whatever. You can replace him with somebody and still hold him. So I don't mind the IR spot. But the big the big takeaway from that podcast was like the possibility of Div One to like Div Two, and I'm just not a fan of it because when you think about it. We've we've built this league from nothing with the people that we have, the close mates that we have, and why would we want to split us up? We're growing stronger, mate. Like Gabe, we picked After, him up from the orphanage. You know, we came from nothing, and we've grown so strong. Like it's come so far, and we've become so much stronger, like, mate. Like Gabe we, now has friends because of this league. Well, we had eleven. What was it? Was it a ten-man league at start, or was it always twelve? I think it was 10 because then yeah, so, Yoey, Yoey came in and Liam came in, I reckon. Correct, yeah. So it was 10 at the start. And the story behind Gabe and how he became a thing in this league was that we had nine people in the league and we so desperately needed a league member. And some for some reason or other, one of the fellow league members, maybe Jake Com, was at an orphanage that he'd been asked to go down there and identify um, a child of his. And he, he bumped into this sad Asian kid that was sitting in the corner of the orphanage with no friends and he got talking. And Comma found Gabe sitting in the corner alone at the orphanage and he, he was sort of crying into his phone and he was looking at his phone and it was his fantasy team that season and he was just struggling and he didn't understand why uh, he wasn't progressing and Comet took him under his wing and he brought Gabe into this league and Gabe has become just this menace. Do you yeah. agree that Gabe is a scary force on this league? I think Gabe needs to do it on his own without the Dugowies. Um In now what is a proven league for me to be afraid of him. Like, we we made Gabe the thing. Like, Gabe now has... It's like Sammy Noble in from Henry <laughs> like we, we built, we built Schnobes from nothing. Sure. We did the same with Gabe. We've done the same with Gabe. Gabe fucking used to bully... Apparently, he used to be the bully at school, but that's just because he was insecure. And now we've just we've just made him... We've, we've created a monster. Uh, we've Yes, we have created a monster. And... Yeah, for me to be afraid of him, he needs to do it on his own without the goalies. And that double backs me to what you were talking about before, before we went off on a tangent about Gabe and the, the story behind how we found him in the orphanage and whatnot. Division one and division two, how would it work structurally? Like, would you have another commissioner or two, or would you start it off as an eight man league and get people in, plus drop? people that were struggling into Division 2 and then work their way back up? How would it work? Like, would it be one group chat with Division 1 and 2 or would it be Division 1 group chat and 2? How would it work? That's the thing. I don't think it would because, like, we've obviously come so far as a league. We're all, you know, we're all 
you know, everybody loves everybody here and why would we try to split each other up? Like, we all just want to be one league. Like, if people want to apply to the league, that's fine. They've just got to join the waiting queue and hopefully a spot opens up. Like, a well, job promotion. Somebody gets a job promotion in Queensland and, you know, they can't take the time to, you know, focus on the league, so they leave. And then that's when someone like a Pitsy who has, you know, done his due diligence, if I can't speak, and... Like has been in this now has got his own role. Like Gaddy's doing the same thing. I'm not sure what Ed's doing, but it needs to be that way. It can't be a div one and a div two. I just don't agree with it. You mentioned to me that I something that I took away from that is this league's an exclusive league. And do you think that setting up a division one and two structure takes away the exclusivity of the league and how we are respected as a organisation sort of I feel like you look at the MCC members like you have to wait 50 years until someone dies or something of COVID to get into the MCC is that how the league should be it's a sacred place that you can only get into if someone you know has an overdose like Connor or moves to Queensland or you root their missus or something like that as it's falling out like is that how it should be yeah that's 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 how it should be like this isn't a joke this is the real fucking thing. Like, obviously, if, you know, shit's going on, you leave, that's fine. But, yeah, you need to be in the waiting queue. This is a prestigious league. That shouldn't be taken lightly. We can't be doing Div 1s, Div 2s. Like, there's one Div, one league, and you need to just fucking wait your turn before you join. And I don't think we should be doing assistance anymore. Like, I think the first major mistake or stuff up complete. Um, disrespect for the league has come from our commissioner Isaac Brill for letting Ed slip under our guard and not crack down. Yeah, I think I think assistants are fine. Uh, like if if uh, they want their own team in the future, and for somebody who was like, yeah, yeah, for some and and approved by the league, not just fucking out of nowhere. So like Daddy, when he first joined, he was just in it for the vibes, for the culture. Ed, he's just come out of nowhere. Like, does Ed actually really want to be here, or is it all just a fucking joke to make her? He doesn't know any. He doesn't know any players. Me, like, I can understand if you bore. Like Gabe said on the podcast, he has a mate that knows everything about fantasy. He even plays in a fantasy league where they have defensive players and no offensive players. It's ESPN Black. He he plays in that. He knows everything, the ins and out, the offense, the defense. Um, the depth yeah. and the breadth. Pitsy's in that league. And P- Pitsy's in that league too. Pitsy's in that league. We, we don't give him enough credit. But Gabe said no to this bloke, joining him as, a, uh, as an assistant because he wanted to uphold the integrity of the league. And Mac is bringing in... Well, look, Mac is bringing in people that don't know anything, saying that that's potentially going to help him. Isn't that more of a detriment yeah. to him, having to look after a disabled kid? Yeah, look, I think... Yeah, <laughs> fuck. It really <laughs> is. Like in, yeah. It's like when I first walked into Henley High and Miss Amber said, this is Mitchell. Like, look, look after him. <laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> Took you under my wing. Exactly. Uh, but I think there, there was a couple of points there. So Gabe was the one who was saying, no, he doesn't want Ed in the league. And that's because Gabe doesn't want any more assistance in the league because he just wants to go his empire and he wants, like, 
the collusion, the assistance all to himself and nobody else to have that advantage. But then secondly, I think I think it's just a joke by Maka just to fucking, you know, not take this shit seriously and just try and, you know, reinvent himself like, oh, I'll get an assistant, I'll be better at fantasy. Uh, if that's the case, it's not your fucking doing. Ed's the fucking mastermind behind it. But then does Ed actually really want to be here or has he just been, you know, oh, Ed, please help me. Please help me. I need help with my fantasy team. Like, either Mac has got to grow up or Ed's really got to knuckle down, know his players and fucking actually have a crack in the league. And you can't compare... Get the fuck out. I agree, man. You can't compare Gaddy to Ed. Gaddy, like Jack Andrews, our good friend, has so often described <laughs> with Gaddy when he was working on those job sites as a fresh 18-year-old out of high school. He was just a piece of meat for his, his trade men to take their pleasures out on at the, at the end of the day and, and he did that job so well and what we bought him for in the league was similar to that so we can have enjoyment and laughs and banter and um create that good vibe that we have and i think gat has been able to make us stronger through that whereas Ed, what does he offer maybe an excuse for that a cop out or oh, i had to carry this fucking spastic yeah or i think i think ed is currently offering one thing like valuable at this point in time, and that's going to be the timekeeper on draft day. Like, oh, it's all going to go to shit. So I think Ed takes that role comfortably. But if Ed wasn't here, obviously Gaddy's got to be that assistant. But other than that, what's he actually providing? Like, there's fuck all chat in the chat. Like, we need something. We just need something. And like that was like me at the start of the league. Like, I was a bit shy. Like, I wasn't piping up. But now I've I've sprouted. I've fully blossomed. And now I'm calling the shots. I'm starting to make these tough calls. And I think some people in this league, like Macca, like Ed, just need to fucking start doing these things. And the thing is, I think Ed's a fucking flop. <laughs> Honestly. How many times throughout Ed's time at high school was he called a sprout by Charlotte Tito? Yeah, like, not many. How's he, he going to sprout? I, yeah, I don't... I don't think many many blokes have been called a sprout by like Charlotte Tito. I think it was Cursor Renee Brown and, and I think what was the name? Was it Maddie Maddie Corbett or something? Yeah, that was the one, yeah, when she was hot, yeah. 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 Like not many people can say they've done it. Um, but yeah, I think I think Ed needs to come out and provide something. Um, otherwise, like Bonsky. Well apparently the rumour has it that you just walking past her in the nine got her pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the power I have. That's the power uh, Mead has. He doesn't even have to do anything. He can just walk past a woman and he, she gets pregnant instantly. But yeah. another one that you yeah. mentioned... <laughs> Matt who carries my sperm. <laughs> he does, from coast to coast. So that, like, little, good. Little, little meatballs roaming around the uh, street. Got, not uh, even sperm, not even little tadpoles. It's like um, Brad Hollis when he had that status where he was talking about um, how they should reproduce with like footy families and breed them together, like Joel Salwood and uh, Joel Salwood that should have like 10 kids. Yeah, that's what the Meads are doing. And Matthew yeah, is transporting those goods. Potentially, rumour has it, to Olympic athletes that are doing 28 days quarantine in Adelaide at the moment. That's where it's going to. Jess Fox, yeah. mate. imagine the yeah. strength of that nugget. Oh, science, science is a scary thing these days, France. And if that's the case, this is what we're building. Oh, we're going to have some pure specimens coming from me. 
Absolute and in years to come. <laughs> Afro pup and a heart. <coughs> you, you were talking about Gabe and the goalies, how they should be separated on draft day. And one thing that this directly would relate to is draft pick trading. Do you think that those three should be banned from trading draft picks? Um, no, you can't necessarily put a ban. I, I actually don't think Common makes it to draft day. Like, from what he's been telling me, I don't think he makes but it if he does. Sunday night. But hi- hypothetically, if he does, I think pick trading should be fine um, as long as Isaac and the commissioner board just keep a close eye on it and they need to be separated. They need to be in the corners of the room with their phones away from each other. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, man, on how we should approach that. I won't be there, but I'll be definitely making sure that that doesn't occur because it could be detrimental to how this season plays out. And I'm sure that they're, they're brewing something this year to take up, take up the league, like you alluded to in your conspiracy theory there. But one last one, and this is often debated and it causes a lot of problems towards the end of the season. What's your take on people that are eliminated from finals trading with people that are in contention? It's, uh, you've been involved in the heat of the battles between me and you in previous seasons. Um. How many you really feel? I was I was thinking like I was thinking about the other day like it like there's obviously the sacro punishment which we need to fucking nail nail down on but for people to like fight for um, maybe like it's just it's just a theory like the bottom six like they can have like there's obviously the sacro but there's they have like minor punishments for coming in the bottom half and that gives them something to fight for which like means that their trades are going to be even they don't have to do the punishment um so like they yeah they still have something to fight for and then that way trades will still be even even otherwise they're doing like massive punishments for coming in the bottom half of um of the league and i agree with that and i said to brill isn't Sacco, and I'm sure that we're going to cook up a really big punishment. And as Brill mentioned, you might have to go out for dinner at a fancy restaurant for sex doll and order a meal for two while leg members sit in the corner and watch. That'd be quite funny, I think, especially if your assistants, two of you sitting across the table with the, um, with, with, with the sex doll. They're like, what are you geezers getting up to? But um, do you think that's punishment enough for people not to collude? What, what do you gain out of setting up someone else's season versus having to become a Sacco? Yeah, like, yeah, like you were saying, like, I think, I think that is a really good idea, the sex doll one, and that can be, like, the sacro punishment, but for coming, like, in the bottom half, there can be, like, another punishment that they have to do um, for obviously not being, you know, with the top dogs in the league, and that gives them something to fight for, and then that way, there's no collusion, it sort of stamps it out. Um, but it's just a theory, it's, it's hypothetical, um, we'll see if the, like, if People are still listening to this point. Um, like the theory that I'm putting down, um, it could be a possibility um, next year. And if Brill does happen to get a promotion at Jake Johansson's uh, stockbroking firm on the Sunshine Coast, um, do you think that potentially that could pave way for yourself to become commissioner? Is that a goal that you would potentially strive towards in the future or are you just happy being a role player? No. Nah. I, I like coming up with ideas, but I think I think Daddy's gonna be Daddy's gonna be the mastermind, and he's gonna become the commissioner. He knows how to call the shots. 
Um, he's the work king himself. Um, so I think that once Brill does get a promotion at Yoey's um, stockbroking firm, um, that Gaddy will become the commissioner next year. And I think that's a really good note that we can end on there, is that Gaddy will be the commissioner by 23. He might even have his own team by then, but I think that that could potentially be good to have a neutral commissioner. And that's something that not many people have thought of. Gat could be a commissioner because he doesn't do anything for Brill's team. Brill stitches him up with Ricky Williams jokes. Come on. Seriously, guys. Get the commissioner. Let's make it happen. Look, you're not the smartest bloke, Jackson, but that that was a, one of your better ideas. Having a neutral commissioner that has no ties to any any um. And they understand the league. But they understand. And, and they understand. Like Gaddy's been in the like the league long enough. He knows how this shit works, and he can he can run this bitch. Love it, mate. Anything you want to leave the league on? Like, not sorry, not want to leave the league on. You want to leave for the league members tonight. No, nah, I think I've I think I've covered everything. I think the Dugoys just need to fucking, you know, prove me wrong, split up, and actually fucking do something in this league without having assistance from somebody else. Um, I think Maka, he's got to have a big year this year. Um, I think the Ed call was just a bailout for him, um, and he sort of put himself in a corner. If he does have success, it was all Ed's plan. Um, it wasn't Maka's. Um, I think Jaden's going to have a big year. Gaddy's my dark horse um, for commissioner. But other than that, I'm raring to go. I'm so keen for draft day. Love it, mate. Well, fingers crossed that your fellow league members gave you the opportunity to listen right through to the end of this podcast. So I think it was fantastic. Probably one of my favourite podcasts. Mate, man, because I haven't talked to you in a long time. Uh, it was a fantastic experiment. And I think that I might have a few dollars each while Mitch Mead to win the league this season based on the way you've come back. Would that be a good bet? Yeah, how much you putting on it? 50 each way. Yeah, no. Save his houses. Love it. Perfect. Thanks, mate. I look forward to our next podcast, which will hopefully be Liam Phillips, and I will refuse to do a podcast until I have that man on the podcast. So <laughs> if you're listening, Liam, please front up, get out of your cookie-induced coma, and join me on the podcast. Everyone else has. Who am I waiting on? No one. Ed's being on. Cat's been on. They've all been on and we're still waiting on you. So please join me on the podcast, Liam. Thank you.